where we discuss and create a space to heal from religious trauma. Hi, I'm Cass. I'm Hannah. How are you doing today? You know, I'm, I'm okay. What are you wearing today? <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Uh, we are talking about purity mindset, purity, purity and modesty in... The cult. So when you say purity and modesty, what do you mean? Modesty being the clothes that okay. we could or could not wear. Okay. Um, and purity being all the other things that we could and could not do in terms of, you know, our bodies because everything revolved around that in some way or another, didn't it? Truly. So in preparation for this episode, we went back and we listened to recordings from the youth group that we were a part of that were separated girls and guys purity talks and i would love if we could just share the notes we took away at some of the things that we grew up thinking were true or acceptable do you want to start with the guys or the girls let's start with the guys talk because that one i had a lot more notes from i agree (laughs) go for it okay So one of the things that, at least in the guys' talk, that they kept hashing on was, for guys, the ability to stay pure and keep pure until they get married, because that was the whole big thing of, you have to stay pure until you're married. We all had purity rings for the most part. It was a pact with their dads. It was something weird, kind of like that. I mean, one of the things that I got is that the person doing the talk kept saying that if you can't keep pure, it's better for you to get married. And I just kept thinking, wow, what an awful way to think about that. Like if you can't like keep your hands out of your pants, just get married because that's going to solve it. Yes, because as soon as you get married, you are no longer tempted by lust or the desire to have sex with women. Well, only your wife who's supposed to want it, you know, whenever you do. That's right. Women are supposed to be obedient and there to please. Um, Another thing that happened, if we could maybe just rewind a little bit to the beginning of his lecture, how did he Mm -hmm. begin? Okay, so (laughs) he began this entire talk by asking all of the guys, how long did it take you to get ready this morning? And of course, all the guys are like, two minutes, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, pants, clean t-shirt, whatever. And all the guys are giggling and talking and going, oh, it takes him longer, whatever. But then he made this comment of, well, it took your sisters in Christ, you know, quite a bit of time to figure out what to wear tonight. Of course, I'm thinking back to getting ready for this, going through several outfits, going, nope, that's not going to work. Somebody's going to sit on that. Nope, that's not going to work. That Somebody's going to think something wrong about me in that one. So it was a constant battle of, what am I going to wear that is going to cause the least amount of damage for boys going home tonight? <laughs> so what you're telling me is as a 12, 13, 14-year-old girl, you were worried about being a woman and people knowing that you were a woman physically? Uh, we didn't want people to know we had shapes or body parts. I don't have boobs. I do not possess these curves. Who is she? <laughs> it, no. 
We aren't allowed to have these things. They don't happen. So we're a tent. So what happens when you go through puberty and you're trying to be less awkward about all of the awkward, creepy things that are happening to your body as a young person? I don't know about you, but I wear a lot of really baggy, oversized clothes. Because we were already yeah. insecure about our bodies to begin with, but all of these extra rules yeah. tacked on that led to someone else doing something wrong or you being blamed for it. You didn't want to have these parts. You didn't want to show them off. When we were in this youth program, let me just make this comment. We as young ladies were taught the way that you dress, the amount of skin that you show, the tightness of your clothes, any aspect of your clothing as a woman will cause men around you to stare at you in lust and want to have sex with you. This is what we thought to be true as mm -hmm. preteens, teenagers. Yay, 13 years old, already wondering if what I'm wearing is going to make somebody want to sexually assault me. Yeah. Essentially. That's a great way to make kids confident about who they are as a person and have confidence mm -hmm. in going forward in life, isn't it? It's wonderful. Caused some real issues going forward in the future, too. <laughs> Can we also talk about how in the previous episode we mentioned how I was always wearing homemade jumpers. When I say homemade jumper, mm -hmm. I mean like floor length, thick strapped dress. With turtlenecks underneath. Turtlenecks underneath, long sleeves underneath. I do remember a couple times wearing short sleeves when I was feeling edgy. Mm -hmm. um, I also remember if you were ever wearing short sleeves, but you wished you were wearing a tank top, it was appropriate. <gasps> yes. to, you want to take this? Yes. So this was, I feel like this was very popular with me, at least, mm -hmm. because it was pushing the boundary as far mm -hmm. as I could without getting reprimanded fully. Yep. You would roll up your short sleeve shirt and you would tie it together with the collar mm -hmm. um, with scraps of fabric or yarn or whatever you had. And that was considered okay and it was the closest that you could get to wearing a tank top even though your shoulders were showing somewhat so that was scandalous but you had to make sure that your bra strap was tied in there too because if your bra yeah, strap was showing literally i had some people come to me and tell me honey your bra strap is showing or you need to adjust that you need to fix that so your bra's not showing mm -hmm. yeah as if Ha wearing a bra was not embarrassing enough as a little kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Being Ugh. told that a bra showing was going to make men want to take it off of you. Excuse me, this is not acceptable way <laughs> to communicate to young girls' modesty. Absolutely not. Do you feel, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming yes, we had more expectations put on us for the whole modesty thing because it wasn't the same between guys and girls was it i remember the talks that we would get for women in modesty were always about the clothing that we wore the hemline lengths the sleeve lengths the collar lengths it was always about the clothing that you wore Mm -hmm. And I remember knowing that the guys were only told dress professionally. So let's go back to that because I feel okay. like that ties this in very nicely. Okay. So like she said, the girls talks were all about what are you wearing? What can you put on that's different? That's better. That's more covering mm -hmm. your unholy parts, basically. Um, that was always the girls talks. It didn't matter if it was for our formal event that we did. Yep. Or if just for an everyday run-of-the-mill January 
purity talk. Um, the guys, on the other hand, and this goes back to our notes, the only thing that they're really told is how to treat us, that we are just meek, mild, fragile little mice that aren't sure what to do, and how to find you a good wife. They talked about us the entire time and how difficult it must be to be a female. At one point, I remember the speaker literally saying every single woman is wildly insecure. Yes, he literally said that. As if this is a fact. And he was saying this mm -hmm. in the context that all women are just absolutely insecure, don't know how to handle mm -hmm. themselves, are constantly worried about what they're wearing, is going, how it's going to affect your brain. And so we as the men need to step up and protect them. And all the women want is someone to protect them and to keep them mm -hmm. safe and to make sure that they are appropriate. <laughs> Can you explain to me why you feel like this might be weird in the context of Christianity? The idea that women are insecure and what they wear is only for the men and why is this cultish behavior not just normal Christianity Christians like to be modest? Oh, because not hardly any of this was grounded in biblical scripture at all. Like literally any of the stuff that they were telling us, they didn't have anything to back it up. And it wasn't because of anything that was rooted in biblical nothing. It was just something that one of them made up that they thought was the moral ethical way that we should do that. Maybe they really thought biblically that this is exactly how biblical women should behave and dress and everything else. But really, there wasn't any grounds for that. It was all just someone else who is much older than you telling you exactly how you should behave and dress. That's really it. The only time that they did mention scripture or something from the Bible to give a basis for what they were saying is during the men's talk, they brought up a Bible verse that said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to lust after a girl. Mm -hmm. They did not give you yeah. any context for what it was talking about, which is always problematic when you pull a verse randomly out of the Bible for me. But they did use that scripture to tell the boys, you're in charge of what your eyes see. Sure, that's fine. And you mm -hmm. need to make a covenant or an oath or a promise that what you see, you will take it in stride, basically. And if you see something that we have told you is inappropriate or sexual in some way, then whatever you see related to that, you need to just put it away and ask God to take it out of your mind. That's really all it was. If there was anything wrong, it was, well, you need to pray more about that mm -hmm. is really... That was the big answer for everything else, which I feel like was such a, they didn't want to deal with it and they didn't know. We'll go pray about it more. Okay. <laughs> I also want to mention really quickly before we move from the guys' purity talk, that idea that they taught the boys was to think of all of the girls in this youth group, in this community. First of all, think of them as your sisters in Christ, but not just like, we're a family, we're in a club, we're Christians. Like, literally, this right. is your sibling. So treat them like your sibling. Yeah. And then also... They were told, treat all of the girls as if they're already someone else's wife so that you don't accidentally commit adultery. Okay, so let's see. Step one, treat everyone like they're your sisters. Giving that mentality to boys who are already young or even guys who are old and already, you know, 
have been in this and are already afraid of everything, basically. Giving boys that kind of advice made it so that they were afraid of us. Everyone was afraid of everyone. That's literally what it was. You couldn't get a word in edgewise. The guys didn't want to talk to you. They were afraid to brush hands with you as you walked by. It made everyone afraid, which yeah. later down the road when these guys were getting older and maybe interested in a girl and they couldn't be interested in them because well, that's somebody else's wife. I'm like, dude, how are you supposed to get fucking married if you can't be interested in someone because that might be someone else's wife? Mm -hmm. It could be yours, but you won't do anything about it. And then the girl's side of that, we weren't allowed to be interested in anybody else. They yeah. could only be interested in us. First, um, we weren't allowed to put out any sort of interest in guys. Um, so it was basically for girls, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. If it's not the guy you wanted, too fucking bad. I don't know what to tell you. This is the guy that was interested. This must be the one that God has for you. God chose him for you. And of course, the girls are just supposed to accept that and say yes to the first guy that comes along. So first of all, normal human people are naturally attracted to each other. This yes. is something that we can take from scripture that this is a normal, natural thing that happens to humans is that we become physically attracted to each other. We were told that's wrong. So already mm -hmm. stepping out of line with the Bible. And then like you said, you were afraid to talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. Fear of interacting with people is something that signals to me that this is cultish behavior Yep, because God did not create humans to constantly be in fear of interacting with each other. There are so many right. scriptures about you've not given me a spirit of fear. Be strong and courageous. You're out to be able to do things mm -hmm. and go out and interact with people. If we're taking from the example of Jesus, even. So how were we taught to interact with people of ill repute or people that didn't follow the same dress code as we did? Because that, I feel, goes hand in hand with this conversation. Yes. So if we just talk about what that even looks like. So in scripture, prostitutes are just like people that sell sex for money. This is a thing that happens mm -hmm. in the world. We are aware of this. When we were learning things in this youth program, I remember hearing phrases and teachings such as, well, the way that you dress will put you in this category. You're the same type of person. You're basically a harlot if your skirt comes above your knees. You are mm -hmm. trying to sell yourself if your collarbones are showing. Heaven forbid your stomach was showing. None of us were allowed to wear two-piece yeah. sweatsuits. It, it was just taught so much shame that you had a body and that if any part of your body that this community deemed inappropriate was showing, you were automatically mm -hmm. put in a category with all of the evil, sinful people. Basically, you were a prostitute and that was wrong and that was bad. Well, and even this mindset and all of these rules, it wasn't just girls who had reached puberty. I want to make that very clear because I feel like this is also very important. And I maybe have my own separate viewpoint and opinion on this. But when you are taking that same bias and rule book and you are giving it to little girls five years old and younger who are learning about their bodies and learning what's okay and what's not okay and you are dressing them that way and you are telling them all of these things and other people are telling them too like little girls being you need to put your sweater back on your shoulders are showing that is that is sexualization 
of a child yeah wrong on so many levels so i mean just to me that in itself puts this group right in the cult section of not okay let me be clear I don't want to talk about modesty as if you shouldn't be modest and you should never consider covering your body parts. I personally mm -hmm. consider myself to be a modest person regulating every inch of your hemline. Mm -hmm. That's problematic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's taking what is supposed to be fairly decent and okay and acceptable and taking it too far. Mm -hmm. it's taking it too far. I mean, and you can take everything too far. And that's, you know, in this instance, just how clothing was taken to a whole different level of what it should not have been. What did you take away from the girl's side of the talk? The amount that I heard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my only note on this page, why is a dad doing the girl's talk? Why was it a dad was always doing the girl's talk? Why? Like in the rare cases that I remember a female doing it, it wasn't a mom. It was a girl who was a few years older than us, maybe, who apparently had been around and seen it all and knew things that we didn't. I want to also be clear that men were the end-all be-all. Dads were the head of the household. I don't have a mm -hmm. problem with a dad being in charge of stuff. I have a problem with whatever dad says is God's word. And we just agree mm -hmm. with it. Whatever yep. dad says is correct, no matter what. And we go with it. And if you had any questions or arguments about it, you were allowed to bring them up, but it was not received with a teaching or learning spirit. It was received with, uh, turns out you're rebellious and you're sinning. How many times were you called rebellious for doing nothing, really? So what happened was I was terrified and shy and I never did nothing. <laughs> So I was not called rebellious <laughs> till I went to college, which we can get into uh, at a later date. One time I tried to wear pants in public and I wore a pair of overalls because I was like, okay, it's not quite jeans or leggings. So that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. It's not hugging my butt. So that's appropriate. And I remember literally being in tears because I was so afraid getting ready to leave the house that wearing overalls was going to cause some man to look at me with lust in his heart. That is not okay for a child to experience. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. And we shouldn't have to think about that kind of stuff. No, that's a whole different topic for a different day. So because of how rigid our rules were in relation to clothing, we had a teacher who only wore dresses for the longest time. Like we only knew her wearing dresses and she made them and they were gorgeous and she was adorable. We adored her. I remember the first day we caught her wearing jeans and we were gonna die. Oh like gosh. we were all huddling around the little window in the door going, do you see her? Do you see what she's wearing? <laughs> like we were aghast that somebody would wear pants. I suppose. And it was it was an older mom, uh, one of our teachers. And so it really shouldn't have been that appalling. But the fact that she only had worn dresses before and now we're like, <laughs> she owns pants was kind of wild. What else did you have on the girls talk? Because that's really all I had. Let me preface this by saying the girls talk was approximately 45, 47 minutes long. For the first 30 or so minutes, the dad that was giving the talk, bless his heart, for saying yes when asked to do this. He was stumbling around his words. He was beating around the bush. He said literally nothing. He was so awkward. He was so uncomfortable. You knew that he wanted to talk about purity, 
I don't know if he said the word purity until at least halfway through the talk. He, You knew that he wanted to express thinking about ourselves as vanity, but it took him mm -hmm. like 25 minutes to say those words. At the end of the talk, the main takeaway that he finally managed to get out was you were created to be beautiful by God. However, you need to be very careful that the clothing that you wear doesn't show the attractiveness that God gave you. So we have to look like, what, pigs? He did say. Homeless people? He did say, I don't want to make this sound like everyone should be wearing sackcloth. He goes right back into saying, what I want you to get out of this is that God made you beautiful, but don't let anyone know that. This is like the Okay, nutshell. I just have a note on that. Um, how are you supposed to find yourself a husband if you look like trash? Well, another thing that carried over from the ending of the guy's talk related to this is the the pastor said to the boys, the girls are working so hard or the women are working so hard to make sure that the way they dress doesn't cause you to sin, but sometimes they're gonna mess up and you have to cut them some slack. Yeah, please and thank you. I mean, <laughs> so apparently. God forbid we, you know, slip up and show an angle. <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate though, at one point during the girls talk, this poor awkward dad um, says, I do think, I, I'm not really sure where he was going with this, but I'm going to try to make the connection based on the things that he said. He he was talking <laughs> about how, should we always stay the same in the way that we dress, or should we try to progress with the culture? And he gave an example of, if we were to only stay traditional in Christianity, we would still be dressing in robes and sandals like in the days of Jesus. And then he proceeded to tell this what was supposed to be like a funny anecdote of if I showed up to work wearing robes and sandals, I would get in trouble by my boss. So obviously, girls, we can't be wearing robes and sandals constantly. He just comments something like, obviously, we shouldn't, we can't be wearing robes and sandals all the time. And you can't let yourself go because I really appreciate how attractive my wife is and the way that she takes care of herself. But I just want you to know that you need to be really careful about the clothing that you wear because it affects the boys. That was everywhere. That I mean, I only listened to the, probably the first 20 minutes of that one. But yeah, he was a little bit of everywhere and he didn't actually want to talk about what we were used to hearing being talked about. That wasn't necessarily the best example of the girls' purity talk because there was a lot better ones, but it was the only one, unfortunately, the recording was saved. Towards the end of the girls' purity talk, some moms in the background kind of stepped up and started making comments. And what struck me about the comments, partially what they were saying, things like, the reason we don't wear makeup is because too much makeup will make you look sexy and sexy is bad. Something else that they said, they tried to bring up scripture about not causing your brothers to stumble. Can I read one of the scriptures that I remembered and I found it pertaining to purity? Because this is the one that I remember them bringing up the most about women and their purity covering up. Um, so it's 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4. 
Uh, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles in the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So our worth, based on this scripture that they brought up again and again and again, was from being natural, I guess, and having a gentle and quiet spirit. That's all they wanted us girls to have was a gentle and quiet spirit. Meek and mild. That was it. Don't ask questions. Don't be too loud. Don't walk too fast. But that's the one that they would use, which I don't really feel fits with what they were going towards because, and I have to look back on it. I think Peter was talking to a totally different crowd of people. (laughs) He wasn't talking to a group of 12 to 16 year olds. (laughs) Tattoos, absolute sin. Can't do it. That was adorning yourself in sin. Oh. You know? Um. I do remember that being a part of the modesty thing. If you were modest, you didn't have tattoos. Speaking of adorning yourself, jewelry on men was brought up in the girls' purity Mm -hmm. talk that I listened to as a big joke. How hilarious, guys, would it be if I had an earring, says the dad telling this. Like, right. You wouldn't hear a word I said. You wouldn't be able to take me seriously. That is the weirdest thing because I just, let's get some reference for this there were guys that wore puka shell necklaces <gasps> how distracting there were guys who wore rings oh no there might have even been there was there was somebody for a while that did actually have his ears pierced there were kids that would come to youth group i remember this this was this was hard for me to watch then and it's hard for me to think about now i remember this family that came and the girl had a nose ring, and it was the biggest deal. Other girls wouldn't talk to her. People would look at her with, like, yeah. a stink eye. I remember mm-hmm. one of the boys wore a necklace. The boys would all make fun of him. They would call him slurs. They would harass this kid. Another thing about adornments was the way that you did your hair. Yeah. You weren't told specifically it's bad to have a unique hair color or a unique hairstyle. You Mm -hmm. were just told, wow, your hair looks so beautiful when it's longer. Or if someone had different colored hair, you would see them getting made fun of. Made fun of or purposefully excluded from things. I feel like that happened more than anything else. And it basically forced these people to leave the group because they didn't feel welcome anymore. And unfortunately, because of some of that and also some modesty issues, I did see a few mostly young girls driven out of this group or specifically asked to leave because One of these young girls showed up in shorts and a tank top, and she was not from a well-to-do family. They were struggling. She was a foster kid, and they asked her to leave because what she was wearing was distracting. And that, I think, was completely inappropriate because that is something that she couldn't help. They didn't know, but because of the way that she was dressed, they asked her to leave, and she never came back. They did the complete opposite of what they constantly we're preaching about of being the body of Christ and loving everyone regardless because that's what Jesus would do and everything else and then I saw them turn right around and do the exact opposite or say something or look at somebody just with judgment in their eyes like these honestly were the most judgmental people that I knew that were preaching the complete opposite of what they were doing. People have an idea that Christians are incredibly judgmental people mm-hmm. overall. And I know where that comes from. We saw the judgment of those people 
the hypocritical judgment constantly. As a Christian today, I don't think I'm that way anymore. But when I was a kid, I was trained to be that way. Yeah. And that created problems with me learning how to be friends with people that weren't Christians because I would Mm -hmm. judge them so harshly and it would just push people away. Like, wow, you have very high opinion of yourself Mm -hmm. because that's what I was trained to do. You want to talk about some of the interesting things (laughs) that we were taught, like how to think about your future. Mm -hmm. You didn't think about your future. As a person, you thought about your future spouse because your goal Mm -hmm. was to get married when you grew up. That's it. You want to talk about that a little bit? I sure can. Yeah. Um, And I can only talk about it from the girl's side because really that's the only thing I have experience of. But um, I don't know if any of you listeners have had to do this. I remember one evening in youth group, we were all instructed that we need to grab a piece of paper and go out into the hallway because we were writing letters to our future husbands when we weren't allowed to have romantic feelings to begin with. It's wild. (laughs) I'm like, how am I supposed to do this if I'm not allowed to like have crush or flirt with somebody that I might be interested in or like? How exactly do you want me to do this? So I remember a little bit of my letter that I wrote basically saying, you know, I hope that you're everything that I wanted. I hope that I'm okay to you, I guess, because I don't know what I'm doing right now. And you know what? If you come along in a few years, that's great. If not, okay. It was very vague and confusing and very awkward to write. Did you have to write one of those? Or In my household, we wrote a mm-hmm. list of what we wanted in our future husband. So I remember my dad asking me, what are like my top priorities for my future husband? And I was like, 14 or 15. I wasn't even thinking about that. I don't even remember what I told him. Probably nothing because I was like, I don't know. I don't really care right now. I'm 15. What do you think I'm looking for right now? <laughs> I, I only had to do it the once. Thank God. Um, and then what was the other one in pertaining to like interactions between guys and girls? Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to interact? I mean, obviously we were, we were all afraid to interact with each other, but if we did, how are we supposed to interact? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so if by some fat chance some guy interacted with you that wasn't like as close of a friend as like being your brother kind of thing, which was also weird, it was side hugs only. Front hugs, absolutely not. They could feel your breasts, which they specifically said, we don't do front hugs because guys will be able to feel your breasts. My boobs? Okay. And? It's wrong (laughs) that you have boobs, Cass. You, you Stop shouldn't calling have those. them breath. So, um, yeah, side hugs are the only thing that's okay. I don't remember being able to hold hands with guys during prayer circles. Do you? No. If if you were in a prayer circle, the girls are on one part and the guys are on another part. A uh, little later on, that got a little bit more lax. But like siblings, when we were hands. younger, like actual blood yeah, siblings, it, but not foe sister and brother in Christ siblings. You, right. you still can hold hands. Every once in a while, this group would host what was called the country English dance, which was basically Irish dancing. And that was the only time that we were given permission to hold hands with somebody else if we were dancing. This dancing was fast paced, so you weren't holding hands from with for very long, which probably was their whole idea with it. Well, it won't be for very long. No one will stumble in sin. Yep. <laughs> so that was the only time I remember being like, actually, they verbally gave permission. Like, guys, it's okay to hold hands with the girls now. We're dancing. And everyone was like, oh my god, we're dancing. Okay. <laughs> like, so that's the only time I remember being given permission that that's okay and that instance other than that 
Absolutely not. If you were courting, because we couldn't date, you couldn't hold hands. Some parents were okay with it, but most of them were no holding hands until you're at least engaged. For anyone that doesn't know what courting means, can you give me a brief, real quick synopsis? What is the difference between dating and courting? Dating is very much doing it on your own. We go out, somebody's interested in us, we start the talking instead of courting, which is, oh, the guy's interested in the girl, I'm going through the parents for everything. And then the parents are usually chaperoning all of the interactions that these two have up until the point of the man asking the dad for permission. That's the difference between courting and dating. (laughs) Yeah. I would also love to point out the fact that both parties, the guy and the girl in this situation, I don't know how we were expected to maintain the expectation. Like you said, the girl has no say really. She can Mm -hmm. say no if she wants to, to a guy asking to court her, but it will be taken Mm -hmm. like, this might be your only chance, honey. You should take it. It really was. Yeah. I only got asked to be courted one time. Very awkward. And I said no. And very much so, it's kind of made to be like, this could be your only chance, which is really, really creepy. A little bit. And it ruined a, a friendship that I had for many years which i was also pissed about because i'm like really you wanted to ruin that because you liked what you saw which is not a great way to start any conversation with a girl guys by the way (laughs) never start it with because i i asked why do you want to and he said because i like what i see i'm like no friend no (laughs) just immediate no (laughs) that is creepy in and of itself So I feel like this is a lose-lose situation because the girl has no say and the guy has to have all the say. All of Mm -hmm. the responsibility is put on the guy. He has to take the first step. He has to make the first move. He has to go through the parents. He has to make sure he's perfect for this girl. He has to make sure Mm -hmm. that he is set up. Mm -hmm. I do not understand how any of the men came out of this functioning. For the guys, I remember... One of the dads telling them during a talk that you should not go shopping with empty pockets. And that meant that you need to have a good paying job already before you even start looking or being interested in girls. Because no girl's going to be interested in any of you if you don't have a good job and you don't have a house. You have to have a house. Why wouldn't you have a house? You're only 16. Get on that. (laughs) you haven't figured out what you want to do with your life you need to like hurry it up dude i think that put some really unrealistic expectations in the guys minds but the guys were also raised thinking that they are going to have to take care of their wife hand and foot for the rest of their life because their wife was only going to get married move out of her father's house into his house have babies cook and do laundry and clean the house and be there for moral support or emotional support for him that's it That was the only expectation that, you know, in guys' minds of what we were told, or not told even growing up, of what they have to do for a wife. So they have to do all of the financial everything and have a house and be able to afford everything else so their wife can stay home and raise kids because that was God's will. For a community that was taught so much about the Bible, so many teachings pulled from the Bible, the biggest takeaways that we have are not from scripture. Okay, anything else you want to cover? Can I just end with this note? Because it still pisses me off to this day. Yes, please. This is going to be a once upon a time story. Once upon a time, I was sitting in the pew in the back, knowing I was a troubled child coming into this group. 
and everyone thought they were going to fix me. Well, um, somebody made the comment while doing a lesson of, um, nobody wants a girl who doesn't have a good relationship with her father. Meaning that they wouldn't know how to, you know, obey them or something, I guess. I don't remember exactly what he said after that, but specifically it was, Nobody wants a girl who doesn't have a good relationship with her father, which was fine for all these lovely little tutti-frutti girls sitting around me who, of course, daddy was their biggest hero because he could do no wrong and they didn't know how to say no or fight back to anything, so it didn't matter to them. But I remember sitting there and feeling like all eyes were on me because I was the problem child with the struggling relationship with my dad. So yeah, I knew from that point on that I was not going to get a husband in that group because who wants to stay in the same gene pool? <laughs> so to end that note, ladies... You are more than your relationship with your dad. If it's great, wonderful, good for you. If it's shit, that's okay. Join the club. It might get better. You might have to cut off all contact. It's okay. Don't let that be the basis of you getting a husband. You are more than that. like one mermaid please <laughs> <laughs> one skirt wearing dress wearing girl here you go <laughs>